Full of Sound and Fury is a podcast for adults, by adults, containing adult language. A listener discretion is advised. Sorry, I missed your text. I was balls deep in my washing machine. Well, <laughs> yeah, with my washing machine, you, you got to climb in. <laughs> you got to really get in there. With as many kids as I've got, you've got to like burrow deep, really get the little socks that like to wedge themselves in the corners. Sure, I was just trying to figure out, like, in the grand scale of the cosmos, where the, a washing machine would fall on balls uh, the, deep. Yeah, the, 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 the desirability insect, if you will. Well, there's there's Helms Deep. There's sure washing machine deep. <laughs> there's oh, your mama deep. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough <laughs> podcast. It's early here, man. <laughs> Struggling with my words. Oh, I believe it. I am sitting here in an empty house for the first time in what is probably ages. Right. Welcome back to Full of Sun and Fury podcast, Keyshawn Xavier. Oh. Usually I put that out to the audience. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I'm, audience, I'm Cyrus. See? It's uh, it's very early in the morning where I'm uh, at. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was sitting here debating whether or not to get drunk for this podcast, and I thought it was too early to do that. I, I, I blame my... 7 p.m. somewhere. I, I blame my southern roots. Some reason in in an hour it's okay, but right now it's just too early. This hour's for the Lord. <laughs> Wake up, Cyrus Mortazavi. Well, well, welcome to Full Episode Three, number one eighteen. This hour is for the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so much goings on. Yeah, I didn't want to put you on the spot, whether you want to talk about any of that nonsense or not. It sounds like you're having a rough twenty twenty two, though. Oh my God. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, we're we're out of the out of the quarantine, but this month has been ah, but the quarantine's not out of you, <laughs> right? So we we uh, had our first work conference, and it was combined with a water park. Went to that, promptly caught COVID from that. Oh, uh, so my streak is uh, at one hundred percent. Yes, and, that streak uh, being all the people I know that are traveling now are getting COVID. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't even travel that far. It was like North Austin. COVID was right there waiting. And and this wasn't like the happy fun COVID that everybody reports. This was like balls deep COVID. See how I did that there? there yeah, I, I, I appreciated the callback. The, uh, yeah, <laughs> there, there are some new underreported subvariants just floating about. <laughs> yeah, I was told mine was either four or five. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my the rest of my family, well, my wife came down with it and my daughter, but yeah, you know, interestingly, my my boys had just gotten boosters right before we uh their, their second booster right before we left for the park, and they never came down with it. So we at least know the boosters are effective one weekend. <laughs> that's that's my data point to contribute to the world. Uh, the rest of us, you know, it was about three days in the hole, just like not wanting to move, not wanting to do anything, and. Uh, barely conscious and then seven to ten days of trying to convince yourself you're getting better but then slowly petering out first like five minutes in you're like i'm done for the day Ugh. and then you know that eventually made it up three four five hours and then you peter out 
We're still, though, like, I don't know, my voice goes out by midday. It just wears out. It seems like all versions of it, it really is just like, fuck your throat. Oh, my God. And, sin- like, the sinus tissue. Oh, my Lord. It, it, it did a number on my wife and I. We're all tore up still. And we're, shoot, three, four weeks out from it. Yikes. And, and still just tore up our, our sinus cavity, something fierce where we just... We, we, we're almost spending all day long like you're bone dry, just bone dry, drinking water, doing whatever you can to try and like moisten up. Well, Texas has been helping you guys with that 110 Fahrenheit degree Holy shit. that you guys have been doing too. Yeah. That's great for hydration, I'm sure. Holy crap, man. I mean, it, 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 a blistering heat. It's like Phoenix hot, you know, and you, you look outside, you go, oh, it looks like a beautiful day out there. And you walk out, and it doesn't take 30 seconds, and you're just scorching. Had a friend cook an egg on his driveway. Well, I can verify the Phoenix thing. The woman was that was in Phoenix last month, and it was 110 when she was there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that that's like, I don't know, they don't have as much moisture in the air because it's all, you know, completely cooked out. It seems like with us, it, this flare-up, you know, it hasn't quite got, got rid of all the moisture. We had clouds, and it's 100 and nine yesterday with clouds it rained in northeast texas uh, and which boggles my mind that it's that hot and raining <laughs> just weird but that's weird and and freaking you know the moisture combined with the heat just you just sweat like a dog and then you're dehydrated before you know it so we don't go outside much we're gonna we're gonna put on our motorcycle helmets and go see thor this afternoon yeah i i uh against my my better judgment. I, w- I went to a, a a soccer match yesterday and did not go well. <laughs> how how hot was it there? Oh, here in the Pacific Northwest, we got out to a balmy seventy three degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus H Christ, man! You got out when the getting was good. <laughs> now now tell me, when you decided to leave Texas, was it you knew they were going to secede and just you, you were like, okay, well it's time to go, or was it temperature based, climate based decision? It was a little bit of, of A and B. Uh, 2011, I distinctly remember, was the first year it was really hard to get into PAX West. And we did not go that year. Oh my god, that did. As, as a gift, Austin hit 112 that week, that same weekend. <laughs> Seattle, I believe, was like 63. What am I doing? <laughs> so, that, that, so, there, so there was that data point. Oh, and then the following year, Wendy Davis, if you may recall, talked for an 24 hours straight or some ungodly length of time without peeing or drinking water or any of the wonderful things you just described. Oh, yeah. In an effort to keep Republicans from passing a law that no one really wanted. <laughs> uh-huh. I remember. They did it anyway. Yep. And that was the final straw. And it was 112 degrees again. <laughs> That's probably only, only 106. <laughs> yeah, a balmy, a bracing yeah. 106 <laughs> by yeah. sexist standards. So we lost like two weeks where we just couldn't function. Got hot as hell while we were holed up, couldn't do anything. Uh, made it through the July 4th weekend. Then, as we started to slowly venture out from our sarcophagi, we made what's it called? Peach cobbler. Sorry, I was gonna say custard. Peach cobbler for July 4th. And on Tuesday night, my wife was going to, we were looking at Thor movie times, as a matter of fact, for this weekend. And, or, you know. Thor, Love, and Thunder, and COVID? That's right. 
Well, we're free and clear. We're we're testing negative and all that stuff. We're several weeks out at this point. So you guys actually should live it up as much as you can while you've got the those uh those sweet sweet antibodies, I guess. Yeah, we're actually going to go to Hawaii in a few weeks. So the the timing worked out well. <laughs> we're going to take full advantage of those antibodies. We uh we're looking at movie times. All of a sudden, my wife jumps up, dead silent, not a sound, and she's doing like that international like bringing your shoulders I'll, I'll tell you what it looked like when jfk got shot and he brings his arm elbows up in the air you remember that picture from the movie not the real not real life but in the movie. i was about to say um <laughs> <laughs> well that's what it looked like it was like both both elbows kind of up and pointing at the throat and it took about five seconds to realize something was wrong and then another five to like oh my god and Meanwhile, you know, her eyes are bulging and she's pointing at her throat. And so I grabbed her and started doing the Heimlich maneuver on her, uh, assuming she was choking. And, and the entire time going through my head is, what the fuck in a cobbler could possibly, I mean, you, you hardly have to chew cobbler. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing it. And, and I'm talking like redneck East Texan uh, Heimlich, which is like heaving your bride into the sky. <laughs> and... and you, you did you the, did you use the magical word suey? <laughs> Should have. Apparently, I uh, I had yelled at my kids, and I don't remember any of it. Uh, but they had all fearfully run to the other room and were waiting in a bedroom because the, the fear of God. I had put the fear of God into them, and uh, I wish I I do wish I could remember what I what what tone of voice or anything that I used because I have never told my children to stand anywhere. And they stood there and and made no question, no sound, no nothing. <laughs> I like to think it was the tone of my voice. It was probably seeing their mother be heaved into the sky as, you know, quickly dying. And uh, Plus one to that theory. Right, right. I mean, like, you know, three, four, five times and you're like, Jesus, fuck, something. Something ought to happen here. I'm damn near breaking her ribs. I'm, I'm trying to go under the ribs, you know. Uh, right. uh, yeah, for for those listeners that are going to learn the Heimlich from this podcast, don't, <laughs> don't, <laughs> Google somewhere else. Don't listen to me. So, yeah, Suey is optional. Yeah, right. The Suey is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not at any moment in the last several days since this has, has the thought of Suey ever entered my mind. Bravo. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, and it took about eight or nine tries of like full body lifts up into the sky <laughs> to finally just dislodge. this is like ba- this is like bane versus batman right yeah yeah okay, i just well, make a picture if it took bane eight or nine times <laughs> to snap bruce wayne's spine where he just had to keep on and while everyone else <laughs> awkwardly stood by in terror <laughs> well her punishment does sound like he was more severe oh my god yeah so I'm after the eighth or ninth time, it, it dislodged something because she made a noise, but it didn't get it out. And so then she's like, you know, uh, retching and gagging and whatnot and sticking her finger down her own throat, just trying anything. Some little small piece of aluminum foil. And I shouldn't say small. It was probably three quarters of an inch by half an inch. But a, a piece of aluminum foil had some da- somehow made its way in there. And... I guess my wife's limit is two chomps on a cobbler should be sufficient because I can't fathom how aluminum foil navigated navigated its way between her teeth. But somehow it did. It got lodged in her windpipe and had completely blocked it off and 
just the squeezes finally puffed it out after the eighth or ninth time and then she got it out but it like cut up the inside of her esophagus so it was like having a knife in there yeah it's sharp on the ends right Oh my God! Yeah, so she has all these little slices in there, and then the capillaries around her eyes burst um, from the all of it. But once we got it out, you know, she could breathe again. It just kind of ruined her vocal cords for a little bit. Just hard to talk, um, but it's all fine now. Everything's good. So between that and the COVID, is she just full Mar- Marlon Brando and Godfather? Damn near these days. Okay, Damn near. and we did go to a vineyard yesterday, <laughs> and and. We were talking about getting the little orange slices for the Marlon Brando impersonation. <laughs> yeah, she's very much, uh, her voice isn't quite as robust as it normally is. She's yelling at the kids in a higher tone, but otherwise all fine. And it's just been an insanely horrible week. <laughs> just terrible. And uh, now we're going to go see Thor. Which I got to tell you, I'm not hearing good things about. No! Bite your tongue! Yeah. Oh, God. I don't know, man. I don't trust anybody. All right, certainly don't trust online. That's fair. <laughs> I feel like the the more... It's like Miss Marvel, right? I love... Have you seen Miss Marvel? Sure. Oh, my God. It's spectacular. It, or at least I love it. But apparently there's a whole bunch of oh, complaints just... online about it. Oh, those people are racists. Yes. Yeah. But uh, we'll get in that when we got the full crew available. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, but I'm just alluding to sure you trust. No, you're absolutely right, and maybe maybe that's something we should dig into uh, at some point as well. I I don't know when the internet just got everything wrong on a consistent basis, but that's where they're at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's well, I I would say it probably started with BPSs in eighty three, eighty four, and just progressively got worse from there maybe but i felt back back in the day you could find people that knew what they were talking about and were correct now it's just all wrong i feel like anybody that knew that we're talking about is our age and too busy to get online and post some valid shit and it's the younger people that we're we're all we're all now the editors and the owners and so it's all 20 year olds that are actually doing the work and in between in between tiktok yeah exactly exactly And, and the same people that are writing these horrible reviews are then going into Minions movies in tuxedos. Well, we, we can't we can't trust that. I, I always wondered what it was. It's was tough like, because like, this is such an old bastard take on it. But yes. It, I, 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 but I feel it in my heart, too. <laughs> exactly. I always wondered what was going to make me an old fogey. Minions tuxedo shit falls right in that category. I'm like, ah, stupid kids. We'd have never done that in my day. Nah. There's been the other yeah. things. And they, for, for them, it's like the defining act of their generation. <laughs> We've gone from Woodstock to dressing up, turning minions into prom. <laughs> well, wait a minute. There was like Lollapalooza. It wasn't just sure. straight to there. It, it's it, true. We I'm just saying, Gen Z, do better. <laughs> well, have you heard Gen Z's music? Jesus Christ. They, don't, they, they have no they have no hope they they're getting it on tiktok that's why they're finding their music on tiktok the chinese won and, they and it all, it all sounds the same <laughs> I, it's I, it's nice to find something good but it's like damn near impossible to do so i have to rely on umbrella academy and, and other other awesome things that will use recent music and even umbrella academy mixes it in with a lot of classics 
I love their soundtrack, by the way. Have you watched that show? Oh, absolutely. Did you see season four yet? No, because it doesn't exist four. yet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just I'm trying to figure out how behind I am. <laughs> you know you're, things. You're not that far behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, my wife and I have been watching The Sopranos for the last several months. So you know, we're, we're a bit behind in some areas. We have n- I had not seen that before. Well, speaking of watching old things, can I interest you in some Star Wars talk? Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. That's a sad subject. It depends. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. That's totally where I'm at with it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I loved Obi-Wan. Oh, my God. I really enjoyed that. Good. We need, we need, we need someone to be the pro side. <laughs> oh, you didn't like it? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I just, uh, it's everything else with Star Wars that, that, well, I don't know, Mandalorian was good. Boba Fett was Mandalorian season two and a half, like the internet said. I, I wish Except when it wasn't. <laughs> oh, right, right. It was great when it was Mandalorian season two and a half. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time was kind of, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and I, well, you could have done better. And, it, and I, I don't know. I, I thought turning the character's name into the theme song was pretty good. <laughs> Oh, I just, you know, uh, this, but this combines with our Thor conversation too, because I don't know, cat, I got a didgeridoo. Can I do something with that? Sure. Throw it in there. I I know (laughs) that I wanted to see uh, Boba Fett live with the sand people for a couple hours. I mean, (laughs) just that, that was my imagination. Sure. Man, I I know they had to go that direction with it, but you know, honestly, did they? A little more. Well, I mean, no, I, in the sense that Boba Fett can't just jump out at the age he's at now and then go on being a, a badass bounty hunter. I don't think at 65, you know, that's dealing with my own elderly people. I, I just don't think that uh, Boba, geriatric Boba Fett's going to go around kicking ass. You know, he's going to have to settle down. <laughs> he's going to have to. So they went Godfather with it and tried to, like, but they it, they had to rush it, and I feel like that should have been done over like several seasons, not in a couple episodes. Have you picked up? You know, they're using that that bubble to do all of their special effects in on, on the Star Wars shows, and it lends to some kind of. I, I mean, I'm not a cinematographer, so I can't describe accurately what I'm looking at. But this almost weird kind of lighting slash the imagery that we're only getting in the Star Wars shows on Disney+. Plus. Have you noticed that? Like, watching the Star Wars shows, they have this... It doesn't look like film. It doesn't look like digital. It looks like something a little bit else. I mean, obviously, there's digital all throughout it. But sure. it doesn't look like you know digital movies. It, it, it has this weird sheen to it. And I can't help but think that that's part of the filming in that bubble. That's where they're mixing real and fake together. A little bit. I gotta say, I don't find it terribly distracting. It, 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 I think it is there. What's driving me nuts is the sound. Oh, really? I'm speaking of Miss Marvel. I'm watching a film with a predominantly West Asian cast, and the people I can't understand are the goddamn kids. Really? They mumble. Oh my god, they mumble. Do your kids really? do that? Is this? Is this a? I, I miss vocal fry. Well. <laughs> They mine talk fast. They just they rattle stuff off so fast you can't keep up with it. It's like you know a steady diet of internet has just made them. Brrr. 
they just talk 100 miles an hour. But I've never had a problem hearing the, maybe I'm trained. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe trying to keep up listening with my kids. Mm. I've never had any issue at all. I've never even noticed anything with the audio on Miss Marvel. I've struggled so bad with the children-only scenes in Miss Marvel. Really? Yeah. In a way that I haven't struggled with uh, English people speaking English since Luke Cage Season 2. <laughs> like, it's that bad. <laughs> God, I... Man, that was well struck, Mr. Mortazavi. <laughs> Deep cut. Oh my God, you're entirely accurate. I, I can agree entirely with the Luke Cage Season 2. Because, uh, yeah, that was... There was a lot of mumbling going on in that season. Hell, we might have talked about it on this podcast. But... We absolutely did. And to be fair, they were trying to do Haitian accents. So, or not Haitian, excuse me, Jamaican. But no big deal, right? That that makes sense. Well, yeah, but I but... should be able to understand, like, first-generation immigrants, though. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I, I've, some of it has been age-related, I feel like. Because, like, I don't know if you've watched Letterkenny. Have you watched Letterkenny? No, I've gotten around to it. Man, give it three episodes and you'll be addicted. And the episodes are like 17 to 20 minutes long each, so you can crank out episodes. But if you're if you're struggling with hearing things, I have to turn on the, the closed captioning for Letterkenny because their jokes are so fucking fast mm. in, this, in a Canadian, like a redneck Canadian is the best way I can describe that show. Oh, and, thing. oh it is spectacularly hysterical. And, uh, uh, nevertheless, I have to turn on the subcaptioning to even remotely have a chance at catching a third of the jokes. And I've had to do it with a couple other shows. It's never, it's never even been needed for me, at least on, on Miss Marvel. I've never even noticed it. That's wild. Mm. Now I'm going to be, you know, trying to catch it in the. Isn't their final episode coming up soon? Yep. Yeah. This this Wednesday, I'll, I'll, I believe. I'll pay attention and see if if there's ever been an issue, but I. I don't think I've, I haven't picked up on that. There is in some of the bigger effect shots that same kind of haziness, you know, like uh, the train scene, you know, when they were zooming back and showing the whole area, and it, there's some kind of sheen they're putting over special effects. I, I, I've, I've noticed it more on the Marvel, the MCU on Disney Plus shows, not the movies, but the shows. Because I'm going to crank it out is the answer that, to your that, question. I'm certainly guess, right. I guess. And then, uh, I mean, I watch it in 4K, so I, I, you know, I don't think it's a, a TV issue. And I don't notice it on other shows. Like Stranger Things just look, and Umbrella Academy, they just look crystal clear. But there's something going on with whatever they're doing with, uh, more so with Star Wars than with. Have MCU. you noticed that in, in CW's um, superhero shows? Uh, I wouldn't because I, I, I finally managed to kick that habit after several months of rehab and uh i'm not watching any of those shows anymore oh really i thought you were doing superman and lois or does that occupy a different spice in your in in your head (laughs) it it actually did i removed them from from the canon of all of the flash (laughs) and other ones because they never seem to interact thank god and uh, uh well but i am i am several episodes behind on superman and lois so uh but but i don't see that it that issue over on, on those C- CW. You know, there's whole other problems. <laughs> Entirely other problems. <laughs> <laughs> with, 
with anything WB related whatsoever. But Star Wars, it just seems to really leap out that that that's the thing that drives me nuts. That and we can't seem to get a decent movie. Even my children, we we've, we got the latest Star Wars Lego Star Wars saga, the Skywalker saga that has like all nine movies in one Lego game. And my youngest, who is a Star Wars fanatic, rather than wanting to play through episodes seven, eight, and nine, he wants to go back and play through the prequel trilogy and the original and get uh, unlock everything, rather than even touch seven, eight, and nine. And that tells me a lot right there that you know if, if the discerning nine-year-old is like, eh, these suck. <laughs> these are supposed to be our generation. Nope, they're terrible. Then. Uh, Less uh, Finn, more Jar Jar. Yeah, right, right, exactly. That's horrifying, but, but I, I get it. it. It It's interesting to me that the prequel trilogy, I, I, honest to God, feel like, have you watched Clone Wars? Have you watched Rebels? Have you watched all those other shows that Dave Filoni mastered and kind of evolved? We haven't it? circled around to the Bad Batch, but otherwise, yes. Yeah? Right. I feel like those have done a halfway job of making it, for me at least, I wasn't a huge fan of the prequels at all, but it at least makes them where it's like, they're the main story, and the prequel movies are kind of supplemental with big moments that aren't necessarily portrayed that well. And if I could get Dave Filoni to make Clone Wars episodes, which he almost did with season seven of episode three, that I mean, that would be my dream scenario, would be to get a Clone Wars episode one, two, and three. Because I feel like it could actually be done right. And, because, of course, we haven't gotten that. So it's kind of like, eh, it's somewhat made them better, where now it's not quite so painful. Uh, I, I almost can appreciate them in a way. I mean, I can't watch them. One better. The story's good. Yeah, the they story's just, good. It's, it's just, just the, yeah. the dialogue, right? It's, this, is one, this is something I always think about once, not always think about, but once in a while I, I think about, the original plan with the prequels was George was going to write them, and then like episodes five and six, he was going to have his buddies direct them. Would have been nice. I what a game changer it, that probably would have been. Yeah, well, because because Ron know. and Steve were involved. I, I don't I'm first naming them like like we hang out. Ron Howard and Steve Spielberg. Yeah, but I mean, think about it. It, it didn't shake out that way. And what we got mm -mm. instead, and you can watch the behind the scenes videos. And I know I'm retreading ground. We've talked about over the years, a hundred times, but those behind the scenes videos are a dozen. Yes. Men <laughs> at, at every turn. Every time I see Doug Chang, I think about how wonderful an artist he is, but how everything he was, George, you're a genius. My God, this is the best thing ever. You know, it just I, I, I truly wish there was somebody like George's wife in the originals who was like, no, no, let's fix this and fix it in editing or fix the dialogue. You know, his wife did a ton of that work. or I should say ex-wife. His wife at the time did a ton mm -hmm. of that work. We didn't have anybody for the prequels during that era to be able to kind of stand up and say, this is perfection and this is atrocious you just had people saying that it's all perfection and so that's why i feel like that didn't happen question and you may not know the answer but i'm just putting this out there did he and Kasten have a falling out 
Um, because he disappears for 25 years. Yeah. And then I, comes I, back to the company post-Disney acquisition. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that they had, but then they always said no. So the, the truth of Oh, so it's it, really bad. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that, it's either really bad or... Comp- that's a shame. That's like that's like Paul and John fighting bad. Uh, yeah, they, there was something that went on there, and the, I don't think they ever truly came out with it. And I'm too tired to get on the Google and look it up and refresh my memory. But I, what gotcha. I recall is was that it was something something a little noisy about credit and and uh, that kind of thing. And I always took it that George Lucas was a little burned that Lawrence Kasdan came in and did such a great job with the dialogue. I mean. The story was there, and that was amazing too, but the the dialogue was just light years more spectacular. And uh, of course, it, it, apparently it, that it was, didn't help the new trilogy. It, it was sharper while retaining the same, um, yeah, the same feel. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like the you know Filoni gets it. He's us. He's our age. Uh, between him and Favreau. Well, that's where I was, and then I saw Obi Wan Kenobi. I need you to sh- sell me on this show. I don't know that I can. <laughs> I mean, okay. Y- you I, loved it. Why? Why, why did, did you, you not like about it? Because <laughs> see, I, in critique, you're supposed to go the other way. <laughs> oh, that's but that makes it harder on me and easier on you. I don't have it in me <laughs> to, to praise it. Uh, I feel like that's a to problem. Remember. Uh, I think to remember would be the right term. If I had watched the final episode yesterday, it would be there. But I've had a bit of a busy week. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I, I know I know that, that they had two fights, that there were tons of racists that tried to drive it into a bar ditch, and that woman was awesome, and her acting was awesome. The fact I, I thought that her acting was spectacular from almost moment one purely because she did such a good job of making you not like her in the first episode. And that was my first sign of, ooh, we got a new character, and it's somebody I really legitimately don't like. Of course, the racist went nuts with it, you know? Uh, but the the fact that she, you know, that was what she was supposed to do was make you not like her. And, and I thought she did a wonderful job of that. I mean, just... Uh, I, I, of course, I, I would really would have wished that she would have crushed the windpipe on that big guy with the water, because uh, that would have been a, a really nice little moment. But I know that she was trying to do better at that point. But uh, I really enjoyed her arc and how the the Obi Wan Vader Anakin dynamic. You know, you could not resolve it. You had to leave it set up for Episode Four eventually down the line. So it, you, you, what you've got to do is is tell this evolu- a, a big evolutionary step that there were a lot of questions between three and four that still remained about Obi-Wan. And I, I feel like they did a great job of doing that while producing an arc that just wasn't the arc you expected. You know, Obi-Wan moved from a place of almost PTSD to more of a place of okay now he knows what he's got to do and how to do it i thought that was damn interesting that was my favorite part of the show i'm gonna frame it my response this way in a vacuum star wars obi-wan kenobi is actually pretty good i think on any five star scale it's about a four 
give or take a, you know, a half a star based on your proclivities. The giant problem with that, though, is Obi-Wan Kenobi very much does not exist in a vacuum. It was supposed to be a very specific chapter in this nine-film saga, <laughs> and it just, for the most part, doesn't work in that regard. Wait, I've, not, I've lost me right there. How's it a chapter in the nine-film saga? It's supposed to be episode 3.5. Oh, I see. I, see, I didn't go into it thinking that. I, I, I looked at it from that lens of, okay, we've got Dave Filoni and Favreau that have created their own Star Wars bubble and are attempting to resurrect Star Wars you know, after the god-awful 7, 8, and 9. And they're being allowed to do it. And with it, it's like, <laughs> they're the rebellion, dude. <laughs> they're the rebellion. Disney is the empire, and they crank out these money-making movies that were terrible. And we, our people, are over and have managed to gain a foothold inside this bubble that they record in, and they post them on Disney+. And just like with you know, kind of the, the Clone Wars and with the, the, the Bad Batch, with Rebels, are pulling up, and, and, and Mandalorian, of course, are, are kind of pulling it back up out of the, the, the sewer that, that Disney has driven it into with 7, 8, and 9. I know I'm crapping on 7, 8, and 9 a lot. I still like 7. Just 8 and 9 just didn't hold it for me. They could have done so much more. I came at it from that perspective, not looking at it as this needs to be episode three and a half, but rather, okay, this is another brushstroke in the we are going to slowly pull the slog. You know, we, we have a golden Star Wars. This is Star Wars, but it's mud is all over it from the Empire, from Disney. And so what are they going to do? with this six-episode event to not be three and a half, but to pull it, to, to clean it up a bit, to make it better, like Clone Wars did over, you know, seven seasons, for fuck's sake. What Mandalorian did with the post-Return of the Jedi period, uh, what Boba Fett tried to do, and all they really ended up doing was making Mandalorian a little better. And uh, then this one which is given a golden opportunity of going, okay, yeah, episode three happened, and just like with all the other prequels, they hit the big milestone moments. Boom, boom, boom. But we didn't get the subtlety that, and I'm sure Filoni and them would say, well, you've got more time when you're doing a series as opposed to a movie. Bullshit. You can have subtleties in the movie. They just didn't do it in, in hardly any of them. Uh, you know, I mean, look at episode three. Look at the fight at the end. I mean, you, you got, what, 45 seconds of dialogue between Anakin and Obi-Wan, where Obi-Wan's standing, like, with his hands on his hips at the top of the ramp. Like, uh, he did not come in for a conversation with Anakin, you know? He was coming in there to kick ass and take names, and they had a little bit of 45 seconds of dialogue, and then it's boom, and they're off to the races fighting. And then high ground, I love you like a brother, gone, boom, it's over. You could have done so much more subtlety with that. And I feel like this wasn't to be episode three and a half. This was to be, where can we give more of that, uh, what, gravitas, more of the attention to the interrelations of these yeah. characters. Yeah, let, let, the, let the characters breathe a little. Exactly, and that's where like it, it succeeded. Even within this construct that you've um, 
you're positing. I think I think there's something to it. I still think it fails because Clone Wars Rebels and uh, The Mandalorian they work pretty well within the existing superstructure. This one really doesn't. Really? How? And it's and it just smits, uh, well we'll get into that, but it's just and there's there you know, there was a laziness to the writing that really bothered me. Really? Yeah. I missed it. <laughs> now, all right, now tell tell me the critique cuz I I didn't see it. Well, you can't have the Skywalker kids in this. You just can't. And ha- have episode 4 make sense. Well, I don't care how much bullshit rationale they've made for, well, Leia always knew, and she was being clever, and this and that. Yeah? Really? So when it gets cut down, she's okay with that? She's that devastated like Luke was? Really? Get out of here. Well. And and did you really enjoy Obi-Wan kicking Vader's ass again? How many times were we going to emasculate the most dread villain in the, in the galaxy? <laughs> well, alright. Let's, let's go to the first one. So... She has this grand adventure with Obi Wan over the course of several days. She has an adventure. Let's take, take it easy, okay. Chief. Or, well, I'm calling it a grand adventure to go over the top with it. And then, what are we supposed? To, seven years later. Nine. Nine. Nine years they're, later. They're, they're 19 when Episode Four opens. Yeah, she's being rescued out of the Death Star, and there sure. is but this one brief moment when she looks over her shoulder as Luke is firing at that door. She knows Obi Wan is there, and they're running for their lives. And we really, and, and just like all the, I, I am perfectly willing to say that Episode Four does not capture any of that, none of it, zero. But it is true to form that even if George Lucas did have Obi Wan, if he was doing this in chronological order, where Obi Wan had been recorded, and then George Lucas makes Episode Four, I would pause it. George Lucas still wouldn't devote one second of screen time to any, like, for Leia, uh, any kind of reaction. She she just wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. Because George Lucas doesn't do that. That's a, the fault of, uh, now if George Lucas is Now he would change wrong. Greedo and Han again, though. Uh, right. Credit exactly. For that. <laughs> exactly. That's the kind of bullshit he would do. It would, uh, McClunky. He would do McClunky. Okay? That's who we're I mean, I mean, that's about. fair, but I don't know that that lets Disney off the hook. Well, no, all I'm saying, yeah, the, the, the framework that I've put this in is that if we want the kind of uh, character breathing that I enjoy out of, out of my Star Wars that Dave Filoni and uh, uh, John Favreau provide, I'm going to have to get it from Dave Filoni and John Favreau. I, I'm not going to get it from those movies. And I have been browbeaten over the course of a lifetime to unless Lawrence Kasdan or George Lucas's wife hand is on the till, I'm not going to get it. And so I, I feel like the fact that they're doing something awesome over here in this left hand, not being a lot aligned with, well, we should get some kind of character, some I'll call it character for lack of a better word, character development, character reaction, character over in the movie. It's like, well, that's, that's the movie's fault, but it never did that. It, and they they never did it. We're getting it over here in this new stuff, but it doesn't align with the characters. But but it does. Luke Luke is crushed. <laughs> yeah, Luke is crushed. But Leia never got anything to begin with. She was always 
She, she with no, she's four. she's wonderful in that movie. Now that's all Carrie. Well, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> well, well, yes, of course, it's all Carrie. What I'm talking about is Leia didn't have a lot. Of... Okay, so, so summarizing thought here, because I think we're actually kind of at the same place with it. On on Twitter, I described it as fan fiction. It's really good fan fiction, to your point. But my frustration with Disney since the acquisition nine years ago is. They can eat their cake and have it too, and they're just not trying that hard to do so. Oh, I completely agree. Oh, yeah. I mean, shit, we should be getting a grand grand movies out of this and, and series associated with it and all sorts of stuff. And it Full of Sound of Fury number one. Yeah. We talk about the acquisition. We were pumped. We were excited. High fives all around. <laughs> yeah. And the reason was we were going into phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh-huh. You could very easily see a, a path where Lucasfilm was going to be another Marvel Studios. Instead, what we're getting is Warner Brothers' treatment of DC Comics. <laughs> like a rabid chimpanzee just throwing poop at the wall and seeing what sticks. With Star Wars, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. No, no, they, they didn't even see what sticks. Rogue One stuck. It was great. And we have that was two movies like Frankenstein together. Yeah, and even then it came out spectacular. They don't even know how they did it, nor can they repeat it. <laughs> so <laughs> Nor should like, they try. Yeah. It was like it was like uh That movie is everything that was wrong with Disney's handling of the property. It was Disney's virgin sex of Star Wars with Star Wars. <laughs> and that time it came out well. And they have no idea how or what they it did. didn't. Uh, no, Rogue One did. I love Rogue One. Oh, the internet does. And what what did we establish very early in this episode? Oh, well, I, I can give a fuck about the internet. That's what that's what we established. I, I can't go five days in Star Wars Reddit without someone posting, "Man, Rogue One's the best Star Wars movie ever." Oh well, I don't give a fuck what they think. I like Star. I don't think it's the best ever, but I love it. And and. Of course, Disney's been able to do nothing like it since. And the best we've gotten, the best we've gotten is several men our age that have carved out a hole for themselves. And it's in a, they film it inside of literal bubble that I think is just as much for special <laughs> effects purposes as it is to keep Disney out. It's, it's the great wall of Star Wars. And they're inside of it doing the best they can with what they've got as much as they can eke out like the rebel alliance to win the day that's what we got you're absolutely right i i do think we're in the same place but i i see what you're saying that if your premise is what we should be getting and not episode three and a half it man for real what we should be getting is at least at we should get a star wars mcu a Star Wars CU. We should, and we're not. <laughs> I completely agree, but I don't think that Obi-Wan was or ever had the chance of even doing that. I I, I took well, your criticism one... more of like I didn't like the you know the, the the show. The show is what it is in the context of what Disney's able to do with the property. And I'm looking at it as well, from the perspective of what has come to transpire within the, the Star Wars CU, the SWCU, where 
We get nothing. Should be galaxy. We're supposed to like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This galaxy far, far away. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm holding out hope that Taika Waititi, that you know, now that we're kind of post episode nine, he's the next trilogy. <laughs> Maybe we get something here. I mean, I I I don't know. I, I'm and I'm now very nervous, about, even more nervous about it, just because of what you alluded to about Thor. So that that today for oh, me is well. Taika always. For, well, not always, but for the last couple of years, he's always he's checks all the boxes for the next fallen nerd idol, and I was I've been very worried about his uh, his really? career as a result of it. Oh really? yeah, he's male. He's not actually as good as anyone says he is. People are gonna he, he's got a very singular style. These are all things that the internet will eventually turn on. It okay, happened to well, Burton. It, it happened to Whedon. It happened to Lucas. Oh, I hope it happened not. to Shyamalan. Yeah, but oh, and my it's God, already started with Thor four. I completely have a better understanding. Good podcast, because I completely have a better understanding of where you're coming from with that criticism. I, 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 I yeah, I, I couldn't have thought we were further apart. It turns out we're very much in alignment. It's it's, it's the old half glass of uh, water. Yeah, argument. well, yeah, yeah. And, and perspective. You know, you're looking at it of what they could have done with the property, what they should have done with the property, and rightly so completely rightly so and left with disappointment i'm going in going all right disney has <laughs> for better or worse shat the bed i i, I type uh, there's this they won't I'm stop shooting in the bed is the part that's driving me nuts <laughs> yeah yeah i know i i i'm putting taika watiti and that conversation over here on the shelf for a second and just going okay the way the world has shaken out the Rebel Alliance, led by John Favreau and Dave <laughs> Filoni, have 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 formed a, a stronghold. By the way, just, lest it go overlooked, I'm glad that middle-aged white guys are finally getting their due in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, honestly, well, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I'm, I'm saying led by. Uh, two 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 overweight middle-aged white guys. Yes, go on. Well. Yeah, but the the ones that are making it awesome are, are uh, Deborah Chow. Dallas, How, is it what's her name? Is it Howard? Bryce Dallas Howard. It's it's Obi's daughter to put yes, it in Keyshawn right. language. Right, right, and um, little Obi Cunningham's daughter, and uh, Deborah Chow. Well, it, well, no, there's there's a handful of others that have been well, directed. I, I bring I I bring up Deborah because Deborah did Obi Wan. Yeah, she did yes. a very good job with it. Oh my God! Yeah, and, and, they just—they should have given her, you know, chicken salad to work with, not chicken shit. <laughs> and honestly, the only reason why I know John Favreau and Dave Filoni's names because I'm sure if Deborah Chow did seven seasons of Obi Wan, that that name would roll off my tongue just as readily as Filoni's. And of course, Favreau—that's just Happy Hogan. So I, I mean, it's not so much those two singularly that it's them. With a whole band of uh, of very diverse rebels, that an have, alliance, if you will, an alliance. Exactly, they're the Rebel Alliance against <laughs> Disney to make good Star Wars. And so, when I look at it in that light, that's still a pretty high bar. When you know how well the Clone Wars did over time, how how well Rebels did, how well the Mandalorian was spectacular, and you know, they've done a, a, a good job, at least in my head canon, of like 
I can I can really look forward to some good things from them. And then Obi Wan comes along, and it was so for me. I'm like, dude, that's all the development and character that I really was looking for. You know, that was what I what I wanted out of Episode Three, and I didn't get. And you know, there's two ways of looking at it. You could go, well, Three was terrible. They missed their swing, strike out, go back to the dugout, or you create a a fourth uh, uh, another opportunity and they've created another opportunity to expand the character and the development for Leia for Luke for uh, not so much for Luke for uh, for uh, Baru certainly the woman's packet she's got she's got shotguns on every shelf <laughs> god damn that was awesome <laughs> and i remember at at some point we all of my children and myself are watching this. And in I enjoyed Lonesome Dumbaroo, I'm not going to lie. Uh, right! And, <laughs> and I turned to my children and I said, that attitude right there is what's going to get them burned to cinders. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my youngest was like, oh my god! Because <laughs> yeah. he, he hadn't, I guess, he knows Owen and Baru, but at eight, nine years old, you, you don't quite like Oh my God! Those are the ones that were the burned skeletons in, in four. Until yeah, I remind it's, you, it's a little kid. This is like my little kid thing when I didn't realize that Indiana Jones and Han Solo were the same dude. Yeah, that's great acting. You just you, <laughs> <laughs> it's an incredible fedora. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just I was a fucking eight year old. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. You're you're just in the in it, yeah. right? And so when I said the bird to cinders comment, that like connected some dots. Yeah, was, sure. We almost had to pause the show <laughs> to c- collect everybody because knowing their horrible, horrible deaths, <laughs> daddy ruined it for them. <laughs> but nevertheless, all right, going back. You've got, I mean, now, <laughs> yes, it's fair. Is, is every time Darth Vader get into a fight, someone's going to have to just nick his head enough that we can get some a little bit of glimpse of Anakin, you know? I mean, honestly, after 46 years in this life, every time I'm pretending to play with Star Wars toys, I'm certainly going to make that that leap. I'll do it every time, and I won't uh, I, I won't apologize for it, because by God, I waited long enough. If I'm Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau and the rest of them, uh, we're all been waiting for decades for this kind of stuff, you damn well right I'm going to show every bit I can. I'm, <laughs> as much as I can get away with. And the fact that it, like, explain the scar on the top of the head like the the minutiae star wars geek in me was just thrilled to death i love that that was awesome so when you see him in return of the jedi and he's got that horrible scar across the top of his melon now you know where that came from and son of a bitch it was obi-wan but it wasn't obi-wan from episode three it was obi-wan from episode three and a half and you know i i am a little i, I will agree that Obi-Wan yet again I'm going to ask the question <laughs> right this is yeah. they were just, they, they were and this is what drove me crazy about the series across all six chapters because <laughs> we're calling them chapters not episodes apparently yeah he he's constantly making inconsistent decisions not because they're intelligent but because the narrative won't move as constructed otherwise <laughs> that's fair <laughs> yeah that's fair like for the so- first 3 episodes he's He's a pilot in a series that has he's excuse me, he's a passenger rather in a uh-huh. series that bears his name. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting upstaged I, by a nine year old. 
and uh-huh. the girlfriend from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and oh my god, the nine year old was spectacular. And but I, I kind of feel like uh, there's a bit of that having to happen. That you know, it, it was that's the story is that he had taken himself out. Yeah, now doing it for three episodes that was kind of like Loki. It was a little bit too long. I feel like the pacing there could have been done a little bit better if it were a movie or a series of movies, like a trilogy that we should have gotten. The first movie is him, you know, slowly turning around. It, feel, it feels like it's a project that should have been a made for a made for Disney Plus film. Yeah, I mean, the engineer in me wants to say, look, if you have six episodes, that's three two-hour trilogies. You should do no more than two episodes where he's a passenger that's along for the ride and he's, you know. Un- uninvolved and stay out of everything and then slowly develop it like a trilogy like that and for all I know they may have but their decision to go three I thought it was too long and uh, but I, I completely agree that it, that was a little bit he, and he was upstage but I kind of felt I took that as all these other people are still in the game and this is them this is their means of bringing Obi-Wan back into it when he, had he he's very he's himself. very Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and but and obviously, and what really struck me was that moment when he discovered what, what really like flipped started the cascade of changing Obi Wan over the course of the the series was him finding out that Anakin was still alive, that it was Vader, that for some reason I thought in my head great he moment knew. Hands he knew down. I thought he knew. <laughs> And, and so when they introduced that element of no, he didn't know that Anakin was still alive, then I, I, all of a sudden it clicked for me right there at that moment that it was like, oh, son of a bitch. We, I, I did not expect to see that moment in this series. Did I expect that they'd fight? Yes. Did I expect blah, 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 lot, many of the things? Uh, yes. I certainly didn't expect Leah. Because uh, you, you're right, having the Skywalker children in there, I didn't think they'd be that ballsy to go that that way with it. I thought we'd get a little. You, you can't of that. make it about them. Like I think the construct for this show that they should have gone with was you you use all those characters, but you tell parallel stories with them. Like Obi Wan ah. cannot go on an adventure to save Princess Leia. It just doesn't work. Yeah. How hard would it have been to show like you know Vader doing a some mission where you know by the end of it we're like yeah Anakin's gone. Now we're in this situation, and God, how hard would this have been to do? Like, all you have to do is that by the end of it, Vader thinks Obi-Wan's dead, and everything's fine. But we don't do that. Well, uh, <laughs> so... Instead, he just walked off after kicking his ass again, as you pointed out. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen several of those folks talk about the potential for another season of Obi-Wan. So I'm not 100% sure sitting here today on this podcast that they all were in a lockstep agreement that we are doing one season of Obi-Wan, this is it, we're going to tell the tale. Now, I, I, I've seen conversations with, oh God, was it Filoni or Favreau? Or, no, 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 it was uh, Deborah Chow. And she was talking about, like, if you did a season two, you obviously, Vader couldn't play such a prominent role. And that, to me, was just like, that makes total sense. That Vader, she said there'd still be some. See, I, I completely disagree. I think I I think if given the events of the first season, 
or the first six chapters, pardon me, you have to you have to rehabilitate him. Rehabilitate Vader? Yeah, I, I, this is not the, this is not the guy we see in Rogue One, or Episode Four. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. What I'm saying though is that uh, they would still have like a what what she described was like a concurrent Vader story that was interweaving but not direct conflict that's with Obi Wan. All I ever wanted. I'm on the record that's, on it two minutes ago. Des- <laughs> that's what she described. That's what she described. It's like you know, season one was direct one on one conflict, and they did that not knowing if there would be a subsequent season. Uh, again, for me, it's kind of crazy. I feel like you know. How is there it. no plan with this billion-dollar property? <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, to me, it's, it's like, like a Dallas. It's is... like a Dallas Cowboys off-season that never ends. Keyshawn, I need off this fucking carousel of madness. Oh, I, I, that's fair. I mean, I can't fathom <laughs> what kind of world you're living in in Hollywood, where you go. We're going to make an Obi One, and it's kind of like a pilot season to see if people are going to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're making Star Wars, but I don't know. We're we're not sure if it's gonna stick. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Right. So I, I, it's obviously there's a bizarre world. What if the fucking Beatles had operated like that? For God's sakes. Right. Exactly. We're gonna see if this works out. This White Album. I know we've made twenty others, but let's just let's just test the waters here. Oh <laughs> my God! Speaking of the Beatles, I I gotta ask you: Have you watched Get Back? Oh hell yes, twice. Okay, so this is where I'm in a minority again, I guess. I was so excited. Oh my god, I find the thing incredibly boring. I couldn't okay. finish the first episode, and I okay. tried. I tried so hard. <laughs> okay, now, to be fair, you've known me long enough to know that I play a lot of different musical instruments. I sure. grew up. I grew up playing at music festivals. I play piano, and I can completely understand that any... I, I'm not crazy not to call myself a musician but i do play lots lots of instruments and have played and performed and blah 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 i'm not a professional musician i'm certainly amateur pro that being said that if you're not some semblance of a musician or in the music industry or an insane love of music i can completely see why what the fuck was it nine hours seven I lose count. I, it felt I like, it felt like 26. I, yeah, I mean, it's a magnum opus. <laughs> and, and for me, I thrill at like the hearing the 32nd time that they attempt to play a tune and they change one little element and all of a sudden you hear there's the there's that little piece that ends up being the main crux of the song and it took them 32 35 t- times to eventually add and they they try it in 30 different ways and this movie allows the space and the character development to watch that play out that i completely see why if you're not a musician or not a crazy uh a beatles fan or a musician that can see and hear those things that to you it's like they're playing this for the 35th time. Jesus, <laughs> I don't care. I, I could see that. For me, I, I see usually, a little difference. I'm a time. total creative process junkie, though. I usually love stuff like this. So I was yeah. really excited about it, but then I was just like, it, it just, it kind of meanders all over the damn place. I, oh, but- I guess it might be a, 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 I think what I might be reacting to is just, it's just kind of a bad documentary. Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I have a hard time 
yeah, I would. I guess I would say it's a bad documentary in the sense that it almost wasn't filmed as a documentary. I mean, they were they were gathering tons of footage to make a movie at the time. I'm not even sure that documentary would have been the right word back mm. when they were recording it. They were they didn't know quite what they were going to do with. They of course they had documentarians there, but uh, you know, whether it was going to be one of those hard days nights movies or if it was going to be even know, like what, the last dance. Right. I mean, I don't think any of them there that when they recorded all that had any notion. Oh, in 40 years, this is going to be compiled and we're going to have a, a seven to nine hour magnum opus of all of it. And even then, it's not all of it. They had like, I think I saw Peter Jackson say they had like hundreds of hours of footage. and It was hard to get it down to seven to nine. And I'm saying, I can't remember. If I believe him. Yeah, he he clearly felt that way based on what I oh, saw. <laughs> I'll tell you when I watched, but from my perspective, if he added another nine hours, I'd watch it. <laughs> and, that, and, and, I, and and in your defense, not that you need defending, that that's the take I've heard from a lot of people that have watched it. They were just yeah, well, riveted. Oh my god! I mean, well, again, there's some parts that are just absolutely mind bending, like the fact that they hit a microphone inside the the flower pot when john and uh uh not ringo uh, uh paul. paul had their little sit down in the kitchen when they didn't want anybody around and they really talked some some shit about you know where where we're going with the beatles and they managed to have a mic on that and get it into this that you know outside of the music part that's that shit's captivating well, but, i just I, I respect the mission impossible uh, take on it, the situation there <laughs> Fair enough. They yeah. hid in the flower? Is that for real? Yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't make it that far into the into the thing, did you? I told myself I was going to at least finish day one, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> oh, my God. No, you see, like, so it's broken. Well, not day one. The first step. The, day one through three. And I could. I'm Nah, I got like 90 minutes in. Okay. So let, let me give you. You've probably read it online, but I'm going to give you the, the Keyshawn. <laughs> the Keyshawn experience in in 30 seconds, not seven hours, but the three episodes and I'm going off memory cause I haven't watched this sucker in six months, but the three episodes is largely they're trying to, they've, they've rented out the studio. They're going to crank out inside of a month, this entire album, a show, a performance, perform it in the studio. And they, they've brought them all themselves together with this, with the notion that, well, if we give ourselves a deadline, we've got to do it. And then they fail miserably in almost every respect. George quits the band. And this is all in that first episode. George quits the band at the end of the first episode. They they get hardly anywhere. Uh, it's literally just a smattering of various disparate elements all over the place. Then with two... They managed to try and pull George back into the band. They're all <laughs> unhappy. They're struggling to find whatever it is they're trying to find. They're they're entirely rethinking this entire man. Just being in this big open room sucks. And they eventually decide to pull up root stakes and go to their Apple Studio that they've just recently constructed. And oh, by the way. Ray Charles's uh, keyboardist, or I think it was Ray Charles's keyboards, might have been Stevie Wonder's. 
I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Forgive me. He's in town for a concert. Let's not, he's, a, he's a friend. We've met him before. Why don't he come in and play with us a little bit? And he joins in, and I cannot remember if it's at the end of the second episode or the beginning of the third, but when he joins in, it's like you can see the moment when he hits this little lick in one of their songs, and John looks up over at Paul, and Paul grins, and all of a sudden, eight to ten songs just go, <laughs> it was like, oh, we found it. And they literally have a conversation like, we need to make him a Beatle. We should just make him a Beatle. You know, and then there's all this concern about, well, it's making somebody a Beatle and a fifth Beatle and blah, blah, blah. And I saw an interview with Paul McCartney talking about this documentary. And Paul kind of, they were showing this conversation and Paul talking about it 40 years later. And Paul was like, you know, we were just so young that if we'd have just had the maturity that we would have had later in life, it'd have been like, yeah, come in, be a Beatle. You can come in and do it for a little bit and then walk away and do your own thing and come back in and be a Beatle. We should have just been so more relaxed about it, but we were all hung up about the Beatles, you know, just the be and, and they were hung up on it in their youth. They were hung up on it. They were and, 20 year old men. Right. But you're just 20, angry and indignant all the damn time. I think they were like 29 though. It was like 29, 30. They were getting later at later years. You know, it's right before the, mm -hmm. the end. And, yeah, I think it was in the second episode where the documentarians had slipped a microphone into the kitchen inside of a flower pot. And Paul and John are going in there to really have a real conversation, not in front of the cameras, about the future of the Beatles. And they managed to get it. And it's in the documentary. And, and irrespective of my musical you know, enjoyment of all the other stuff, that's just flabbergasting that they did that <laughs> and they have it <laughs> and they showed it and it's like oh my god you know that's just like talk about the room where it happened you get to be in the room where it happened it was amazing and yeah that's in there and and the little moment when they bring that keyboard in and he adds the element and they're like we've got it and then they just start cranking out songs after that it's all coming together now is some of that peter jackson kind of you know morphing it into the story i'm sure it is but to e even hear uh, uh paul and other recordings of ringo and george talk about it bringing in that extra element really like added something that they were needing and uh, uh it's just fascinating to watch musically as they try this and this and slow this down and what if you do this with the with the rhythm guitar try this george gets frustrated because he's like i'm the guitarist i know how to play a fucking guitar and you, you get to hear the the Paul's first cuts at certain songs and you're just like I mean every one of them their genius is on outright display and then it, the entire time Ringo is just the most amazing drummer you've ever seen in your life for nine hours in a row <laughs> that dude is a metronome a human metronome and it's incredible so yeah I could go on and on about it that but that's why all these various things I just, it was fascinating. Just fascinating. Yeah, I plowed through it twice. Now, not a third time. I, I don't have that kind of time. No, anymore. that'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so the, that that's the stuff that I was really going on about. And by God, I would love a Star Wars. Hey, speaking of nine hours of uh, of insane document documentary and documenting, have you seen the trailer for the Industrial Light and Magic documentary? I have. Oh, did you rub your nipples till they chafed like I did? 
because that I'm, was awesome. I'm looking very much forward to it. Holy crap. Oh, if Disney I'll, Plus I'll... had a way for me to have a queue, yeah. uh-huh. I don't know why it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be in there, it'd be in there twice. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Man, I got I got worked up when I saw that trailer this week. I was I was pumped. I don't know how long it's been out, but I saw it this week. It was amazing. They can drop, brother. Yeah, we're getting it at the end of the month of the, of July. So yeah, oh, that'll be awesome. If I can survive till then, we'll be good to go. I need, I need the best parts. That last episode is going to be about the Sheen. Oh really? I mean, theoretically. I mean, theoretically. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I'm assuming it's going to be about the bubble. Same thing, right? We are positing anyway. I guess we'll yeah. find out. Yeah. Well, before we, uh, before I let you go, and before we uh, finish uh, kicking Star Wars in the taint, how are you feeling about a Galactic Cruiser? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, I feel poor. <laughs> That's how I feel about Galactic. It's something that might be out there, and I'm never going to see it. I will never <laughs> see the inside of that place. I, even if I only had one child instead of three, I would still never be able to afford to see the inside of that place. That is insane. I would love to do it, but man, the price is just there's just no way I could do. Totally fair. Let's set the sticker shock aside here. Um, can you? I, I <laughs> that's all I can think about. I'm try. Uh, yeah, that is the first, second, third thing that comes to mind, right? But uh, yeah. let's go down. Let's go down to fourth. Um, right. Are you are you excited to go to, to Orlando and uh, pretend to be on a ship for <laughs> for two days? <laughs> The world's largest cosplay event? I would say that if it were set in the original trilogy or even Mandalorian era, yes. But the fact that it's set in 7, 8, and 9, no, not at all. <laughs> not not even interested. Not the parks have gone hard on the Resistance era stuff. Right. And I, the, I just don't think they understand that the fans are not, don't, just don't like it that much. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think because the fans are so starved for good Star Wars, and they really are putting together, they're trying to do Harry Potter world with Star Wars, and absolutely. The I mean, again, it's a misfire. I don't. It, it, to me, it's gonna. It'll it'll feel like uh, the ET ride at Universal Studios. <laughs> that's what it's gonna. That that's what it would feel like. And frankly, I mean, there's elements of Star Wars that are embedded in it. So, like, getting the... I'm sure my kids... We're going to go, but we're not going to stay at the the, the cruiser. And <laughs> at some point, I'm going to have to, like, I guess take some Lego bricks and pile up the amount of Lego bricks it would be relatively to pay for the cruiser versus just going to visit the park and show them how many times that we could visit the park <laughs> just... But without paying for, for one visit for the cruiser, you know, making the, the lightsaber, you know, there's certain elements that I think my kids would really dig. But even, oh, but see, even but my you, now you're describing Galaxy's Edge, which is very, very reasonable, like orders of magnitude more reasonable than that goddamn hotel. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I feel like, you know, my kids will appreciate Galaxy's Edge and doing that. But even then, Galaxy's Edge is set in that resistance era. And yeah. even my youngest is eh, about the resistance era. Yeah, it my does daughter, beg question why Disney is not doing more to rehab that part of, of the the mythos. Oh, I know. Because they, they've because they, they've got so much money tied up in it. You know, the thing is, is that my my daughter is now fourteen, 
and is a manga. I'm going to say it wrong. Manga buff. Uh, manga. manga. There you go. Manga buff. Yeah. And the thing is, she would have done exactly what you just did right now. Very politely correct me for being a redneck, ignorant redneck that cannot say manga right. No, 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 no. <laughs> this, this, this is just an American thing. Like, we're used to the word mango. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, my daughter, though, just would shoot me this, you know, dad, come on. It's manga. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and and she could very eloquently on this podcast explain to you because she has to me that she had such high hopes for Ray and she wanted to love Ray and that everything was there for finally there should be female Jedi that are front and center that are, you know, awesome and blah, blah, blah. And she's no, no, like, no. The Internet has come nothing. down hard on this. It's only for white guys. Well, no one else gets to play Star Wars. <laughs> and she's like, they white did guys in Lando. They did nothing with it. She's just so disappointed that they really did nothing with it. She's just kind of a, a piece that moves through a, a, a maze. And if my 14 year old feels that way and she really wants it to be hers and was eager for it to be hers and they still didn't make it hers, then Disney shat the bed. If they're not hit, because I can always try and attribute something to my interpretation being a middle-aged white guy but i've got both the eight-year-old kid here i've got the 14-year-old girl they're missing it across the mark so i I feel pretty confident in that assessment that they're uh, that disney as a whole with the movies and certainly with the resistance era have missed the mark and i hope and pray that much like what clone wars and rebels did and to a less well i'll start there with clone wars and rebels how they're kind of resurrecting and adding so much more nuance and good story to the prequels and to the originals, how Mandalorian and Boba Fett, and I hope others, Ahsoka's coming down the line, and I think there's another. There's already a trailer out for Andor. Andor, yeah. So we've got Andor filling in a little bit more, and I think we're going to really get some good political intrigue there. But... Just like how I described what Favreau and Filoni have done for those prequels and the originals, I'm hoping that Mandalorian and uh, and well, not Andor, uh, Ahsoka, Ahsoka, that they can start. They I feel like they've got a heavier lift to start making the sequel era and, and make the Resistance stuff. <sighs> I don't know how you resurrect it or even make it better. Well, I was about to say, none, of, none of those things are going to be able to because they're all so close to episode six in time frame. Well, uh, yes to Mandalorian. I don't know when Ahsoka exactly is going to be. I'm assuming it's going to be a little bit after that. But I'm hoping Maybe a year? That, yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is, is that so th- they've got this 30-year window mm-hmm. of time that they're playing in. And I'm hopeful that as time progresses in those shows, I don't think they're going to progress 30 years. Maybe they will. I mean, if I'm Disney, I'd certainly try, but they could make things better. They're going to have to be faced with the same problem of aligning with shitty movies, or at least movies that weren't as good as they could have been. And that it, I give them the benefit of the doubt that clone wars did a good job of it. Rebels did a good job of it. Mandalorian is doing a good job of making the sequel era far better. They're my sequels. <laughs> That's the way I look no, at it. This is worth gaming out. 
my sense of it is if they can fix the Ryan Johnson version of Luke, reconcile that with with the Return of the Jedi version we got and the massive gulf between the two. Yeah. If they can fix that, that would go a long way to unfucking the sequels. Yeah. Yeah. But boy, that's a huge ask. Yeah. Well, I would say that and the whole notion of the resistance. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you if you draw a hard wall around the movie and say, what did the movies tell us about the resistance? And I know I've complained about this before, but you really don't know very much about the resistance at all. I Just think you're internalizing my complaints about it because that drives me nuts. Well, uh, well, I, what I remember... They're like this... That, they're presented as this state-sponsored counter-terror, counter-terrorism unit. I don't know. Did they even go that far? I don't remember them explaining maybe, that. Maybe, 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 you know, maybe that's just me, like, inferring from the little context I had. Right. I mean, now, I know that there was a book that was focused on Leah that came out right before, right around when the movies were coming out that went into all the back... In fact, I think it was called Resistance. It may have been called Resistance. Uh, but it, it went all into the details of what the resistance was and its relation with the Republic that had been rebuilt and how Leah got into the role she did leading the resistance and, and opposing the, the, the Republic that was trying to do one thing. And she was like, we need to have military capability to defend ourselves from just such another rise of uh, uh, fascist power, essentially. That was all okay. in the book stuff. That's actually fantastic. And that's the problem that I think you're laying out here. It's in the yeah. novels. Yeah. that That's an incredible television series. Right. <laughs> I know. And there, so it, but that's why I started with draw a wall around the movies. We don't know fuck all about the she, resistance, but it's young Sheldon, this shit, go get her daughter, whatever the hell Carrie's daughter's name is. I forget. Uh huh. Dye her hair brunette. And let, let's get, let's get this, <laughs> this fucking thing mad. Hell yeah. But uh, so my point is, I want I Star Wars Law and Order. There's a lot of opportunity in this 30 year window mm-hmm. that Filoni and Favreau and Deborah Chow have to make things better. And uh, now, will they do it? Who knows? But they don't appear I, to want to touch it with a with a with a pole. Right. That's worrisome. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I know. I mean. You got the the best of the best going. Yeah, that's too heavy a lift. <laughs> that's that's for the next generation. We're just plowing the path. You know, <laughs> you're damn right. Kind of tells you everything you need to know about the situation. But I gotta tell you, I mean, part of me is like, you know, it would almost take somebody that has a love for those movies, that has grown up with those movies, and comes along, and they're in their twenties and thirties at their creative peak. And you got Favreau and Filoni at 65 that kind of have their hand on the till. And they're like, you want to take a cut at it, kid? Uh, so I'll, so, I'll we're, so you. your plan is for Gen Z slash TikTokers to fix this shit for us. Is that the plan here? <laughs> I, I'm saying that might be what their plan is, is what I'm saying. Not my plan. I'm just saying oh. Uh, oh. You know, if they're not willing, if Filoni and Favreau aren't jumping in to save the day, then that must be what's going on. Is that that that's the plan? <laughs> so we'll we'll get brief snippets of Star Wars films in thirty second increments on TikTok, and uh, we'll, you can put together that way. <laughs> TikTok Star Wars. 
Jesus Christ, look what you've done. <laughs> Downfall of humanity in one podcast. It's <laughs> the worst thing I've ever heard. Oh my I know. God. That's that's why that's what I that's why I chill it on my damn spine. <laughs> yeah, it, it is it is a uh, bleak state of affairs when I'm talking about the nigh death of my wife, <laughs> the death of my good friend, and an hour later in the podcast, I say this is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Star Wars TikTok, it's worse. It's just gonna be it's just gonna be Leia dancing to like Drake. Oh. <laughs> it's gonna be great. I... <laughs> a tale of woe. You're not you're not excited for this. <laughs> oh, this is horrible. No, it wouldn't be Leia. No, it wouldn't be Leia. It would be uh, what's her face, the Palpatine girl. What's uh, Ray, <laughs> the main character? Yes, Ray dancing to Drake. Oh, oh. Drake, D R E Y K, <laughs> Drake. That's uh, see, that's the kind of horrible that Star Wars TikTok. <laughs> would bring capital d r hyphen r-e-y hyphen k how about darth rake and then 12 billion reaction videos oh yeah that's why that's so, why i'm in such a bad place with it i think somewhere out there kathleen kennedy just got moist she's like <laughs> right wait a minute star wars tiktok there's money to be made here tell me more tell me more exactly <laughs> I got an IP to ruin. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, just as, as, a, as, a, as a capstone here before I let you go, uh, I am going to D23 here. Uh, Disney 100 as they're advertising it. Oh, really? Yeah, and if I can manage to stay in line for 20 hours and uh, go to the, the, the Star Wars panel, which, spoiler alert, ain't going to happen, uh-huh. I'll report back here what, what, uh, what new nefarious plans they have for Star Wars. When is that? Uh, the second weekend of September. Ah, okay. That sounds spectacular. Good luck to your spine. Uh, just yeah, thank you. It needs know, it. Just to let you know where uh, where where I'm going to be coming up. I'm uh, having my first colonoscopy here in a couple weeks. Oh. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to be documenting on Facebook for folks. I might put some tw- uh, tweets out no, there. No. Too. No. 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 You put it on TikTok. We just talked about this. <laughs> no. No. Video <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going with the written word for my for my whole <laughs> How will you add Drake? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's what I've got going on. That's content with a capital C. Keyshawn <laughs> on the right. for for eight hours with <laughs> blinded by the lights going on. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, buddy, I'm 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 hoping the worst of it's past. I'm yep, glad we made too. time to do this. Well, and I'm going to remind everybody that I've been Cyrus Mortazavi, GreatSwordStudios.com, and you've been Keyshawn Xavier of Austin, Texas. I have. And this has been Full of Sound and Fury. This episode and previous episodes of Full of Sound and Fury podcast is available at fullofsoundandfurypodcast.com or by subscription to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. This has been a Great Sword Studios production, copyright 2022. In Mother Russia, Peach Cobbler take you out. Thank you.